0: Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Um, I hope everyone is doing well. Um, my name is Tasneem Idlis and I am uh, the editorial associate of uh, the Islam and Liberty Network. Um, welcome to the Islam and Liberty Network talk show, uh, which is a free space to discuss different developments um, in Muslim-majority countries and beyond um, uh, in the hope of promoting a Muslim case for freedom. Um, this is our very first um, uh, episode of the ILN talk show, and we're going to be discussing um, you know, uh, how Muslim organizations should manage their PR. Um, we're very happy to be joined by uh, Mr. Muddasar Ahmed, um, who is the managing partner of Unitas Communications, um, which is a British PR consultancy um, where he leads projects for the U.N., the U.S. State Department, among others, Um, and he is also the founder of the Concordia Forum, an annual retreat for senior leaders from politics, uh, media, and uh, the corporate world. It's also worth mentioning that uh, he was listed uh, by Georgetown University as amongst the 500 most influential Muslims globally. Mr. Mudassar, very happy to have you with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. So before we start um, discussing our topic, I'm sure everyone is interested to learn about the Concordia Forum and what kind of people um, should seek to attend.
1: Uh, the Concordia Forum is essentially a manifestation of a very Western Muslim way of looking at themselves as a minority <laughs> in the West, but also um, in, in with respect to their values and how they seek to project them more broadly. And that takes the form, essentially, of um, one annual retreat plus a number of other events throughout the year. Um, the retreats are uh, non-sectarian. They're very inclusive. Um, they're, in a sense, secular by nature in the sense that they're not religious retreats. You know, They're retreats for people to come together, bond, talk about uh, religion, politics, and all those sorts of issues. Um, and they're very gender equal. Um, and they seek to essentially um, find a way to bring together this very broad spectrum of Muslims that inhabit and call the West their home.
0: Mm-hmm. Perfect. Um, so um, you are a, a PR specialist, which means that you have spotted um, a need in that area and you wanted to make a difference in it. So. Tell us a bit more about um, how you came to specialize in in public relations.
1: Um, I started my um, early career in radio. And uh, I used to have a radio station. I I used to volunteer as a radio presenter for a very long time. And then I started doing community television. Um, And I was always fascinated by, you know, because I was so exposed to the media and news narratives, I was always um, fascinated by how these narratives enter the news in the first place, and the role that organizations and individuals play in spinning, or if you like, in portraying um, this news. Um, So um, I was very fascinated by that, and I was particularly fascinated by how that narrative affected my community in the West, uh, in in how it was perceived, uh, in how narratives were spun in the media, um, so I had this interest in this area for a long time and um, I decided about 12 years ago that there wasn't a a PR agency that understood the Muslim world um, well enough to be able to, it was very lofty at the time, I know, but very ambitious, but understood the Muslim world well enough to be able to portray its views in the global media space. And um, this was the the aim twelve years ago, and that's how I, I fell into it. And I decided that with my background in media and my somewhat background in politics, I, I I was probably one of the right people to try to do this.
0: And that was specifically in the UK. You started there.
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it was in the UK. Um, but um, very quickly we, we expanded into the US, and um, you know we're active across the world now, um, seeking to help voices. Initiatives and governments from the Islamic world be more articulate to those in the Western world, and vice versa.
0: Perfect. Um, So uh, there's this very common idea that Muslim organizations are all about charity work, philanthropy, and the like. Um, So is it really true? Like, is it only limited to charity work? And um, how do how would you define Muslim organizations?
1: Oh wow. Defining Muslim organization, well, so I can only look at it from a Western perspective. Um, since Muslims are involved in everything, everything by extension that they do, you know, has an imprint of their faith. Now, whether you would define it as a Muslim organization or not, I think, look, there are people that are inspired by their faith to do charitable work. You know, so mm-hmm. they set up organizations that, um, you know, help everyone. You know, they help the broad society. There are organizations that specifically help Muslims. Maybe those would be Muslim organizations, ones that are specifically set up for the community for themselves. I think that's yeah. how I would define it, you know. So if, if a charity that only helps Muslims is a Muslim organization, you know. But of course, there are uh, organizations led by Muslims that help everyone and are part of the broader landscape.
0: So, so you wouldn't say that it's only charity work because a lot of people are saying that you know um, the Muslim majority, you know, Muslim um, organizations are not really providing academia with substantial academic work uh, like the other non-Muslim organizations. So, uh, what do you think about that?
1: Well, I am. So, I think this is very complicated because um, as a Muslim in the West. I see the impact of Muslim academics on all aspects of academic life. You know, we have from professors of psychology to medicine to whatever. So I I kind of reject that argument. But if I look at the Muslim world, I think there is an issue, right? Um, There there are, uh, I think they're beginning to catch up with knowledge production. If you look at the level of PhDs that are coming out of the Islamic world, they're abysmally low. Um, but also that, uh, that, that you know, th- doesn't do justice to the fact that a lot of Muslims actually go to the West to get their PhD. So it's a bit confusing picture. But the fact that they go to the West means that there aren't enough um, reputable uh, institutes of higher education in the Islamic world, Muslim world. And that remains an issue for the Muslim world to resolve.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, in the age of um, social media, where everyone can say basically anything they want about everyone, um, do you think that Muslim organizations control the outside narrative about them? Um, are they sufficiently publicizing, you know, their achievements and speaking about themselves in public, or they're not really—they don't really care about how they're portrayed and they just concentrate on the work on the ground?
1: I, I think that um, whatever their intention is. Um, they are sending out public statements whether they like it or not the act of not engaging in the public space is a public statement the act of engaging in the public space and how you engage and what level you engage and whether um you know is also a public statement and i think that when it comes to the islamic world there is a big confusion uh about professional public relations i think There is this feeling amongst founders and CEOs that they're able to do it all themselves and that they are the best uh, judge of their um, presence in the public space. And Often that's right, you know, Um, often that's right. But it has to be, um, in my view, always accompanied by professional public affairs officers who understand how to position that narrative in a professional way um, that makes sense. So I think that... um, When we're talking about the islamic world there are so many different organizations doing incredible work yet are not able to get that work recognized are not able to get into the newspapers are not able to get into the right medium and sadly the work in this hyper competitive world where everybody wants to be recognized for what they do some of their good work is not being as well recognized as it should be
0: is it because of some lack of coordination between Muslim, you know, Islamic um, organizations or probably even, uh, you know, coordination between non-Muslim organizations and Muslim organizations?
1: I think it's because of a lack of uh, expertise in, and, and lack of investment in knowing how to push the narrative out. I don't think um, co- coordination is often when you get, you know, too many cooks spoil the broth. So often trying to coordinate messaging amongst a broad group of organizations isn't necessarily the right way. I think what you need is the ability to invest in your own personal public relations, hire the right people, understand how it works, is train more people in how to do this, establish the networks, the colleges, the professional qualifications needed to make this happen, um, but also recognize that um, it is a separate discipline, just like accounting, just like lawyers, just like you know any other medicine, this is a separate discipline that requires separate investment, and um, we just don't don't do that.
0: Do you think um, you know? Some people would argue that there are common grounds, there are common purposes. So it's not really about working separately. It's not either about competition, but about coordination and working together. So, you know, of course, there are some different issues, different purposes, but sometimes we meet in the middle. So should we aim for that as different Muslim organizations, um, you know, throughout the world?
1: Um, You you know, this is a, it depends on the context, you know, so um, I, 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 I can't speak to that. I mean, I think it really depends on what you're trying to achieve. You know? Let me
0: give you an example. So, for example, in in Ramadan, um, out of out of a sudden, we just have many many uh, Muslim organizations, charitable ones. Um, they they're just you know uh, all about giving charity, and you know making ads about it and showing how generous they are. And sometimes, you know, problems happen because, some you know, two Muslim organizations would target the same community and then, you know, it's all about publicity and stuff. So um, it was it not it better to coordinate uh, because we have the same aim?
1: Uh, yeah, it might be better, but I think it's impossible. You know, I think as long as there's a human ego and as long as there are factions and as long as there are people, you are never going to be able to get one community to completely coordinate their charitable giving, it's just not going to happen. You have, uh, even in countries where this system is centralized, it's difficult, you know, unless you get the state involved. And that's an entirely different conversation, whether you should get the state involved or not, right? But um, trying to get different charities to coordinate their activities, I think, is going to be tough. Mm -hmm, mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, I I mean, at the same time, you do find that charities will do coordinate when it comes to actually dispersing the funds. So, a lot of I know here in the UK we have the disaster emergencies committee who come together once in a while to coordinate when there's a big disaster. I think you can get short term coordination on humanitarian affairs, but to get a permanent kind of coordination is difficult, desirable, but difficult.
0: Mm-hmm. And um, what do you think about um, Muslim organizations who criticize other Muslim organizations because they are communicating with non-Muslim organizations, even though the purposes and the work they're doing is fantastic and it's not really wrong with our Islamic values?
1: Well, I think that um, um, I think that um, uh, engagement and speaking to people that you disagree with is at the core. Of the Islamic uh, belief system Um, I believe that the Prophet Muhammad was instructed um, by 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 God multiple times to engage with people that he disagreed with and to keep engaging with them even though they attacked him so I think that if we were to derive our principles from that very basic simple instruction I think it's incumbent upon us as a, a, a people to do as much engagement as we can. So um, I I think there is insecurity that drives the lack of engagement. Um, And I think there is um, uh, not just insecurity, but I think that there are lots of misconceptions uh, that also drive that. So I hope that as as a community, we can become more engagement focused over time.
0: This makes me uh, think of, you know, the vocabulary that Muslim organizations tend to use. For example, some some of them always make sure to use the word Allah instead of God to make sure that they differentiate themselves from, you know, you know, the Christians or um, the, any other. Um, so, do you think it's it's wise to, to say that it's better to use the word God uh, in order to, you know, make sure you know that we are have common things together and you know emphasize the similarities between us
1: yeah this is a difficult one it depends on who your audience is i think if your audience is muslims then yes of course use the word allah because people will fundamentally communication is about being understood right so whatever works towards being better understood uh i would go with that terminology Mm
0: -hmm. perfect um, so we were talking about training earlier and how some people are not really trained to, for PR and they're not really, they don't know how to communicate well. So do you think that Muslims are not really investing enough to train, uh, I wouldn't say, you know, the you know the common workers, uh, I'm talking about the leadership, their seniors, um, you know, on media and public relations, um, you're not really doing that?
1: Yeah, I, I don't see long-term investment in that, you know. Um, I I, um, I have I do a lot of business in the Muslim world, and um, the budgets for PR um, are, are very very low. Um, staff are regularly not recruited for this purpose, and often are you know treated very badly. I think that the the the, the generally we need to do a lot more to uh, increase the flow of investment in this area in the Islamic world. Um, in the West, Muslims are doing better, I think, at this. Many of us are professional communicators, are able to understand social media, um, you know, the, the, the general media and, and other platforms. But I think in the Muslim world we have a long way to go. Certain countries are doing better than others, you know, but still there's a long way to go.
0: And there is there a communication between Muslim uh, Islamic uh, organizations in the West to help uh, their counterparts in the Muslim world, especially in this area?
1: Sadly, no. Um, I, I wish there was. Actually, it's a good idea. Um, I think there are lots of conversations happening, you know, uh, all the time, but there's not a, a formal, um, you know, mechanism or a network that enables these, um, a, a network of public affairs and public relations practitioners, not that I'm aware of,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should work about that.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so um, there's this idea about, um, you know, leadership and senior people in Muslim organizations are chosen based on their piety and not necessarily on their effectiveness. Um, what do you think about that? And is this really widespread?
1: Mm. Well, um, piety is so difficult to judge, right? So I don't know. I I, I genuinely don't know. And I, I don't make... I definitely don't make decisions based on people's piety, you know?
0: Like, for example, this person is chosen because he's a good person. He's a good neighbor. He's a good, you know, teacher. And he's not necessarily qualified to, you know, hold that position in this organization. But still, we're we're convinced because he's a good person. And then, you know, there's a lot of mistakes that happen because of that. Um, yeah.
1: Well, I, I'm not in favor of that method of- choosing is, is it do you know like
0: is it widespread at least in the Muslim world I can tell you sadly yeah, that
1: this yeah, is the case. yeah maybe in the Muslim world but I think less in the I think it was the case in the West increasingly that um people because they were older because they had set up the mosque they should be the chairman of the mosque not because they're the best person to do the job um but I think it's changing here for sure it's changing you know I I'm I'm finding more and more people being chosen on merit, um, and um, that has to be the gold standard, really. The gold standard has to be people need to be chosen to do jobs on merit. And it's when they're not chosen to do jobs on merit that I- institutions are weak, societies are weak, civil society is weak, and frustration gets built in, which leads to radical change, um, which is obviously worse than gradual change always.
0: Mm-hmm. So how would you define merit? Like. Um, uh, how would you call a person qualified to hold such or such position? I know it, it you know, it, it depends on the context, but generally, um, who are the people who are most qualified to be leaders in Muslim, uh, in Islamic organizations, whether in the West or in the Muslim country, in the Muslim world?
1: So I, I think it again, I, I think it does depend on the nature of the organization. Uh, obviously, if it is a religious services organization, then someone needs to have some sort of qualification in religious services. Um, if it's not a religious services organization um, and a social organization, then I would look at, um, you know, qualifications and experience, you know, uh, passion. I think these passion is very important. If you're not passionate about a particular role, then you're going to do a very bad job, particularly if it's a voluntary role. So, yeah, I would uh, employ normal HR practices, uh, but I would also look at things like passion for the community, passion for the role um, and track record.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you think that people choose to volunteer or lead uh, Muslim organizations because they're looking after, uh, you know, social status or prestige or the like?
1: Um, you know that I think this happens a lot, of course. And do you know, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing, you know, um, because everybody has a piece of that in them. You know, we we're n- nobody's perfect. We're all humans. We're all seeking relevance and social stature and um you know uh, so long as it's not out of control i i think that it's healthy to have a little bit of that inside you as you're seeking to represent your community and and its interests Mm -hmm. so so they they
0: would Implement that positively and use that to to make a difference, not to just yes. you know exactly. um, you know for the, for the status. Absolutely. Um, so, um, do you think that Muslim, you know, non-Muslim uh, organizations are um, seeing Muslim organizations positively, or they they try to you know stay away from them, especially when it comes to coordination? Let's talk about the the West uh, for okay. now.
1: So in the West, I think increasingly, Muslim roles are play- Muslim organizations are playing a mainstream role. It's happening more and more every single day I see it. You know, and I think that the fact is that we are influential members of the community. We have, as a community, we have influential roles in the UK and in the US, for instance. Muslims are increasingly seen as part of the mainstream. Their solutions are increasingly adopted. They are, are breaking new barriers and entering new partnerships with... With mainstream organizations all the time. In fact, they are being seen as the mainstream, you know, like it's, you know, this idea that we're not the mainstream often is in our minds, you know, when we start behaving and acting like we're the mainstream, then that has a huge impact. And I think that's beginning to happen
0: great um, do you think this is because you know you know the brain drain thing and a lot of uh, people from the Muslim uh, majority countries choose to live in the West because you know there are many d- different opportunities there and better opportunities so you know the best of the best of Muslims are in the West and then uh, their are leaders and they are seniors in, in in Muslim major in 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 other organizations in the West is this the reason why this is happening
1: um. Is this the reason why the Muslim world is losing a lot of talent? Yeah, I mm-hmm. think it is, you know. Um, uh, I think the brain drain is a huge part of it. Um, now, the trouble is that it's very difficult to reverse that unless you can create opportunities in, in home countries that will compensate to that same degree. This is going to take many, many generations and years to, to resolve, you know. Um, but um, But yes, you're definitely right. There is a big problem with the brain drain
0: are these people who chose to live in the West sometimes choose to go back to their home countries and, you know, try to benefit the others from their expertise and experiences? Or at least they they don't choose to go back definitely, but at least they still have ties um, with their families and their organizations back home? Or they just choose to, to just, you know, benefit the West from that?
1: I think actually a lot of people that move out and work in the West give Um, back a lot to their home countries, you know, by remittances, obviously, by sending money. But also, I think, emotionally, by trying to invest in uh, organizations to help people by giving development funds, by inspiring people, by trying to set up businesses. I know many people that have, you know, gone from the UK and moved back to, say, Pakistan, set up businesses in IT or in interesting uh, areas to help benefit their country. So. You know, it's uh, uh, you know, I think that 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 there's a lot that, of that that goes on that people don't recognize, um, but of course, there's others that don't. It depends. Mm.
0: So for you. Um PR is not only about, um, you know, bombarding social media with a lot of activities, because this is how we see it here in, in the Muslim world, unfortunately, it's about setting up businesses, it's about coordination, it's about the real world, and then probably documents it in, in, in social media, but it's not only about social media.
1: No, no, PR, this is the misconception, PR is a lot more than, than social media. You know, it's about understanding, it's about research, there's a huge element of research, understanding... Uh, and getting the right information and intelligence to be able to say and do the right things. It's about everything from training yourself on how to speak in the media, to crafting messaging, to placing messaging, to where to place the messaging. Um, it's about how to do the right events, how to do the right stakeholder engagement, the right message to give people. It's far more sophisticated than just bombarding <laughs> social media. And of course, yeah. it's very important when it comes to international state arbitration as Well you know, understanding how, um, you know, when you're in a big dispute, a legal dispute, understanding how to put your your case across is is, is worth, you know, a lot and is, is very, very valuable.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is um, this conception that uh, some Muslim uh, Islamic uh, organizations in the West are backed by leaders from the Muslim uh, um, world and you know there's a lot of interference between politics and 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 social work and charity work and that's why some Muslims choose to not to you know um, you know uh, help or volunteer and not even to interfere in these things uh, to what extent is this correct and and what do you advise people to do
1: yeah I um um so I so I, I think that it's it was correct 15 20 years ago But I think increasingly now, uh, Western Muslims are charting their own destiny. They're not pawns of anyone in a big strategic game. They don't want to be controlled in that sense. And um, there are major powers in the Islamic world that want to instrumentalize Western Muslims for their foreign policy objectives. And you know, I I don't like that, you know, and I I resist that personally, I think many others do too. Um, Of course, whilst we have a natural affinity with the Muslim people. Um, Government objectives vary from government to government and politically driven objectives are not one that Western Muslims are here to serve, I think. And I think it's increasingly, uh, thankfully, it's becoming less and less normal.
0: Yeah, and it's also I think it's fair to say that, you know, Muslim uh, uh, people um, in the West are also citizens of of Western countries and countries and they have every right to, you know, serve their communities there. And and they're not really part of the Muslim world in that sense. They can help, but, you know, not to the extent to, you know, help with politics. Um, Do you think this is correct?
1: Exactly. Yeah, 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 I completely agree with you. Yeah, absolutely. We are not here to serve the interests of Muslim countries. We are here to serve the interests of our countries and ourselves, and I think fundamentally that is what is increasingly happening.
0: Yeah? Great, great. Um, if you were to advise young Muslims around the world, whether in the you know Muslim countries or Western countries, about who are aspiring to become um, like you, who see you as an example to follow, um, you, you know, what advice can you can you share?
1: Um, I think that look, the, the the social media revolution now means that people have the ability to be able to put articulate opinions across for everyone to hear uh, without being restricted by um, you know, the the natural restrictions that might have taken place to freedom of speech in such countries. Um,
0: in some countries, you know there are some these restrictions are still there even yeah. in the in the web
1: yeah yeah, yeah there are. you're right. But still, you know, th- there's a lot more freer now than it has been before.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: so I think that they should obviously use that as an opportunity to get their voices out. Um, and also I think that you know um, putting effort into production, whether that be media production or literature production or documentary production, always gets noticed, you know, like actually being, you know, having a certain amount of pride in your work and creating, uh, you know, productions and ideas and putting things out, it always gets noticed. So I think I would encourage them to put that out. Obviously, um, I think, think there is a huge market to create public affairs and public relations companies in the Middle East. Um, and, and in the Islamic world, I think this is a hugely undertapped market, so I would encourage those that are active in this area to think about forming companies and um, and I'm happy to talk to people privately about how to do that and advise people on, on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned the Middle East and how this field is not really um, touched upon, but... Um, i would argue i mean i completely agree but you know it's it's bombarded by many many irrelevant activities and these people need need guidance and they need training so do you, do you, can you advise them about what to do and where to go in order to you know, get some skills and, and and understand how to to use to use this. Because, for example, I know it's previous, but some people think PR is about the number of followers you have on Twitter yeah, and yeah. the views you have on, on, on a video you post, which which has nothing to do with knowledge or charity work or anything. So, how can we change this misconception? Conception?
1: That's going to take a long time. You know, it's going to take a long time. So, th- there's not. I wish. You know, ultimately. Um, the quality of your engagements and the quality of your followers and the quality of your output matters a lot more in the long run than your ability to be able to get lots of followers and and likes you know Mm -hmm. and i think that slowly but surely um this this is beginning to spread but i do think you need look you need more professional i I don't even know if a lot of the public relations practitioners in these countries are chartered whether you have any chartered school of public relations whether you have Uh, professional qualifications or guilds or how the quality of your training is you know I've done some trainings in in Turkey and Saudi Arabia and other places but you know it just astounds me how there some of the basic tools of messaging writing um, strategic communications planning are missing so when you have when you don't do the theoretical work behind this effort then your practical outcomes um, are lacking in quality. And that's what's happening here. You know? Mm. People are not studying their audience. They're not understanding, you know, the shifting dynamics of an increasingly educated audience. Um, and they, they don't seem to, and I think they don't seem to understand the, un, the importance of having strategic communications plans, of message testing, of focus groups, of all of that stuff. There's so much to learn, you know?
0: Absolutely. Um, I think some people would argue and tell that this is correct, but the audience is so uh, in want of trivial things that this is the only thing we can offer. Like nowadays, um, you know, anything can go viral and you can see like a very uh, trivial video, but very, you know, insignificant thing gets the entire attention of an entire country. And on the other hand, there is like, I, I know some organizations, who have many, uh, you know, great work, uh, substantial work. Their website would be filled with interesting articles and, and and webinars, but you know, it's not really very well displayed to the audience. So because people don't really read articles nowadays, and they don't know what to do to make it to expose it to the public. So we have these, you know, two different um, things. So how can we address this problem?
1: Mm, I think I should start charging now for. The- <laughs> Just kidding. No, I think, um, look, uh, this is the age-old problem. This is why there is a whole industry. Yeah. This is why when you look at the World Economic Forum and its PR, and you look at the Skull Foundation, or you look at the Atlantic Council, or you look at the German, they have very, very good PR, right, like yeah. they don't have this problem. They're able to get their thought leadership, their articles, and they're very dense events looked at by loads of people, whereas those in the Muslim world struggle. I was just speaking to about uh, think tanks in the Islamic world earlier on today with some people. And, um, you know, we were looking at the landscape and there's very few of note, you know, Um, but there's a reason for that. Right. There's a, you know, and I think that it's not that difficult, frankly, to actually make that leap. They need to spend the money and hire good people to advise them and be patient. You know, these things take two or three years to happen. Um, But um, there's nothing I can tell right now as to what they should do. But um, I'm on their side, and I really wish that they do get their stuff out. You're right about trivial things getting viral, but that's everywhere. I mean, that's just – there's a market for that, you know? And Mm -hmm. you have to know your market as a a think tank or whatever it is that you are and just engage with it better. And I'm really enjoying what you guys are doing with these – these conversations and the work that you guys have done.
0: Thank um,
1: you. So, um, you know, you're certainly going in the right direction.
0: Thanks so much, and thanks for the collaboration. So, um, anything to add? Anything you would like to add before we close?
1: Uh, no, this has been very, very enjoyable. Um, you know, it's sometimes I feel like talking about PR in the Muslim world. There's such a big disconnect between the professional practices of PR. And what happens in the Muslim world that it can be quite confusing for people. So I hope that it's been helpful. Um, And um, you know, certainly, you we're seeing it took a very long time for professional marketing and advertising to get um, you know situated in the Muslim world, and it happened, but it happened right. Mm -hmm. So now you do have professional advertising agencies and marketing agencies, and I think PR will get there too. You know, public affairs and public relations will catch up, and it will happen. And I'm excited to see how that unfolds.
0: Thank you so much, um, Srimadasa Ahmed for being with us and for your collaboration and looking forward to collaborating with you again and with other Concordia Forum um figures. Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.